This week on the podcast, a little nonprofit news for the week of June 7th. And we have Parisha and Nick here to walk us through what the nonprofit news is that we should know. Hey, Nick. Hi, Parisha. Hey, George. How's it going? Hey, George. All right, Nick. What do we got? All right. I can start us off with our first story. Our first big story of the week for this week is that the USPS, that is the United States Postal Service, has filed for an increase in prices, averaging nearly 6.9% system-wide, according to the nonprofit Times. Um, As many nonprofit organizations still rely on direct mail strategies for reaching donors, the average increase of 7.8% for nonprofit marketing mail could be quite disruptive to organizations seeing slim net fundraising revenue from mail outreach. Um, These price hikes come as the USPS has seen a steady decline in the usage of its system, as well as the volume of mail, um, which has declined nearly 28% over the past decade in terms of number of pieces of mail sent, not to mention a precipitous drop in first-class mail and uh, other kind of special packages. And, you know, for nonprofits still using direct mailers and sending out appeals via mail, this could be a game changer for a strategy that sees slim margins to begin with. Yeah, that's the name of the game. It was already very tight margins. Uh, I don't have the the official benchmarks and many people don't necessarily share it, but I'll tell you what, anything that is increasing on a tight margin by 7.8% is going to bring the hammer down. At a certain point, it's just going to cost more to send that type of, uh, that type of mail and outreach uh, than other mechanisms. And I, frankly, I think it's a good thing. Like speaking as like this, like cliche, industry type of like, hey, here's more junk mail that's been sent to me. Um, And sometimes I haven't even opted into that. Users haven't opted into that. So buying these giant lists, spraying, praying and sending out dead trees to people um, might be coming to an end. And um, I'm finding it hard to sort of like feel bad about this. It will hopefully push organizations that have depended on it to move toward uh, more sustainable in every sense of that word, uh, a means for fundraising. Absolutely. That sounds like a win-win. Increased fundraising, less dead trees. All right, moving on to our next story, we see that two political data transparency nonprofits have merged to form a new organization called Open Secrets. Now, these money and politics accountability nonprofits, formerly the Center for Responsive Politics and the National Institute on Money and Politics, have merged to form this new Open Secrets organization, um, which is described as a state-of-the-art democratic accountability organization. And this announcement comes on the heels of a contentious 2020 election that far surpassed previous elections in terms of spending. Um, Not in the order of millions of dollars or tens of millions of dollars, but hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And this merger brings together decades of expertise, massive data sets, and the kind of analysis that researchers, journalists, advocates, and individuals rely on to understand the influence of spending on politics, according to their executive director. 
Now, I think that the takeaway here is that a lot of political organizations and advocacy organizations, even those that aren't directly involved in, say, a campaign, should heed this trend and this desire for increasing um, transparency, particularly related to finances and particularly related to um, advocacy efforts within the political sphere. Um, This is a trend and a demand that you're going to see increasing more and more um, over the next couple of years, I think. So something to definitely keep an eye on. I love the collaboration here. Note that you have two leading money in politics nonprofits working together. You could imagine other times of the year or in the past. I have no insider knowledge whatsoever, but I'll tell you what, when I see two nonprofits that are in the same arena, dancing in the same way for the same donors and attention, they tend to be frenemies. And I like seeing this type of collaboration where one plus one is far greater, the sum of the parts greater than the whole. And I'm excited to see what they come out with. Thanks. All right, Carisha, what do we have on our summary breakdown? Yeah, quite a few interesting headlines. Our first one reads, once a bastion of free speech, the ACLU faces an identity crisis. Um, And this is a pretty interesting article from the New York Times. The ACLU, um, which is really known for defending the first right amendments of everybody despite their political beliefs, is kind of having an internal debate over whether uh, supporting progressive causes is more important than uh, you know, other kind of hate speech, freedom of right. Um, So they're kind of having an internal crisis here. Um, Interesting to see how that'll play through, but they're also known for defending the first amendment rights of organizations like Nazis or the Ku Klux Klan and are finding kind of this internal debate and internal crisis over whether one is more important than the other. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be in in leadership over there right about now. is something I deeply respect when you can hold this sort of like view of the world with uh, as close as a human can hold objectivity It is pretty impressive. But at a certain point, you have to think about what is the uh, ethos and intention of the organization as it was founded and uh, what are the repercussions uh, and results in the world um, that you ultimately create. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Definitely a tough one, but it'll really be a game changer on whether or not they pick a side um, and kind of will play a big part in how they move forward. So an interesting story to keep track of. Our next headline reads, a Black-led nonprofit receives reparations payment from a slaveholder's descendant. This is from abcnews.com. An interesting story, a Black-led nonprofit called Change Today, Change Tomorrow, a Black-led 501c3 based in Louisville, Kentucky, received a very large donation, which the donor didn't want to be classified as a donation, but more as a reparations payment. This person who uh, would like to remain anonymous through uh, some research to their ancestry found that their ancestors uh, owned slaves within Louisville, Kentucky. Um, And although they were not able to see exactly who these people were, they did feel the need to give back, um, especially after coming into a large sum of money recently. So this is kind of their first start into reparations and definitely won't be the last as at least as they said. Um, And they're really urging people to kind of find their own ways to pay reparations as well. Yeah, I I think the 
there's a lot of questions here. It's interesting to see that literally called out in the donation field. And it, it notes in this, um, in this article, the individual was able, unable to track down the direct descendants of the, the people enslaved by her great grandfather. Um, and, and so you, you're left with this question of like, where does that money go? And, you know, it happened to go to a, an organization in, in that area. Uh, interesting. Yeah, definitely a tough one with very little uh, records and things written down. It's definitely very hard to track uh, who exactly are the descendants of these people, um, but definitely a good step in the right direction. Our next headline reads, Charity Water launches celebrity-funded Bitcoin Water Trust. Um, some more news on Bitcoin, but Charity Water, which is a New York-based nonprofit uh, with a mandate to bring clean and safe driving water to developing countries, has, become, has begun accepting Bitcoin donations through a dedicated cryptocurrency fund, um, a move that they hope could help the organization attract new donors towards its initiative. The launch of this fund, um, according to Cointelegraph.com, uh, will be held in Bitcoin donations to Global Water Fund projects through 2025. Um, and they just announced this this Friday. I think the most standout part for me is that professional skateboarder Tony Hawk has backed this charity for a very long time. I'm very much a fan of Tony Hawk, even though I don't skate or know much about skateboarding. Um, but definitely a, a good PR move if they can swing it well. Um, and a good start to have more celebrities kind of donate their bitcoins. Well. Yeah, I mean, I I included this because certainly another nonprofit accepting bitcoin is not necessarily news. However, Charity Water is such a innovator and bellwether for a lot of nonprofit marketing, fundraising, and positioning with regard to brand in the sector that um, it's especially um, important because they're going to normalize that behavior to. Uh, to donors and the public and uh, be interesting to watch kind of hearkening back to remember we reported on the Greenpeace saying we don't accept Bitcoin. Um, and now you see Charity Water, which arguably have also impacts of uh, environmental nuance on water um, uh, and uh, and its availability for, uh, for populations uh, being questioned potentially about Bitcoin. So I'm watching, I'm seeing if there's a mighty backlash uh, to this and uh, and the various celebrities that that may come forward, but I would say overall, good job raising. It looks like they have twelve bitcoins so far. So depending on the day, that's worth quite a bit of money. Depending on the day, <laughs> our next headline reads: Fifty brands are giving back to the LGBT community. It is June, so it is Pride Month which means that a lot of uh, companies and organizations are not only recognizing Pride Month through a plethora of rainbows in their branding, but also giving back to organizations that are helping the LGBT community. Um, among these are the Trevor Project, GLSEN, and additional groups. Um, and these are, you know, the big brands that you really know of, uh, like Apple, Fossil, and Reebok. All of this to say is that it's really great to see these big companies and organizations um, not only kind of having pride themed merchandise and a plethora of rainbows, but also kind of putting their money where their mouth is and donating to these nonprofits as well. Yeah, this is the, the category of cause marketing. And those two words um, are, are together for a reason. It is adding rainbows to products in order to, to sell and increase volume. It is actually pretty good, though, if you can see those dollars. Definitely, definitely. And our last headline reads, hackers stole 
$650,000 from a nonprofit and got away, showing the limits to law enforcement's reach. Uh, this happened just before Christmas of 2020. Hackers began to steal from One Treasure Island, a nonprofit that is redeveloping its namesake island in San Francisco Bay as a haven for low-income and formerly homeless people. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, over the next month, these criminals or criminals siphoned $650,000 from the community organization. Um, and they're having a hard time finding exactly where that money is and who took it. <laughs> Just a reminder on the hacking front, on the cybersecurity front, that you should mind the store, mind the two-factor authentication. And all right, Nick, you want to talk us through the, the feel-good story of your choosing? Sure. Uh, I have one out of a town in Virginia where a nonprofit called Sustainability Matters, a local sustainability nonprofit, has hired a new uh, spokesperson, or I should say spokes cat. Um, this cat, uh, which apparently has gained uh, fame and notoriety initially as a joke, has actually um, helped the nonprofit with its marketing push. And it seems that the Facebook algorithms agree with the cat-related content that the nonprofit is putting out um, and that this organization is um able to promote their their cause using cat content if it works for me this just this just in cats do well on the internet uh jokes not aside but seriously it may be an interesting idea to say is there an organizational pet mascot that you can just put up there and maybe um you know make something positive happen with uh, the Facebook algos. All right. Links, as always, nonprofitnewsfeed.com, nonprofitnewsfeed.com, where you can get weekly updates about nonprofit news. Thanks, Nick and Carisha. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com slash university to keep learning with us. Thanks as always to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 